We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kinda dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Excellent. So Lissa can stop bad-mouthing everybody now. You can continue bad-mouthing anybody. I'm not your dad. You do what you want. <laughs> um, let's just air yes, some grievances. A... Who do you have beef with? <laughs> Yeah, who's on who's on your um who's on your shit list? Like who's Give gonna be on tea. who's gonna be the target of your next diss track? <gasps> Can I write? I the think of track? trying to think of my BBEG. It's probably my ex roommate. Um, you know, there's a lot of beef with ex roommates and also ex landlords. Mm-hmm. Both do they work together against you? Uh, surprisingly, no. Interesting. So war on two fronts. Yeah. I'm just being attacked. I'm feeling very attacked right now. You know, I as someone who is often, like, the center of controversy, I find that if you're the common denominator between multiple people, you're usually the problem. Um, but that could be a me thing. I don't know if that's necessarily I, a you thing. I don't identify as the problem, so that sure, can't be sure, true. Sure, sure. I think I've just been listening to a lot of Taylor Swift, so I'm just, like, accepting that, like, oh, I'm the problem, it's me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I am not going to lie. I haven't it. I haven't listened to that song very much. I like Taylor Swift a lot, but I didn't didn't vibe with that album initially. So I, I am not familiar with all the other references because the Swifties like to come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, really, because this, this, and that. And I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't listen to I mean, it uh, at midnight. No. I, well, I, big fan. Big fans. Actually, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing until after it happened. <laughs> uh, my friend Jenny got tickets during the entire, um, you know, debacle that was going on. And uh, no way, her, yeah, yeah, like both times actually, it was pretty crazy. Oh my god, um, that's amazing. and when her. tickets like shot up to like thousands of dollars, and she was the only one out of her friend group that got tickets in time, they oh, all wow. were like, We're booking tickets in Chicago, and she was like, I'm not going to Chicago, that sounds like chaos, and it was in fact chaos. And this was right mm. around when that train thing happened, where people were stuck on a train going to Chicago for like oh, 24 hours, I've you taken know, that train. Yeah, yeah. I've taken that exact It's the only train that you could take from like Michigan to Chicago. We've all taken that train. It's, it's like, not a bad thing. All trains are bad, kind of. So, yeah, I've taken. I think there are two trains. I think there's one that goes from Port Huron to um to Chicago, and then there's one from Detroit to Chicago. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, but like it's the same thing. There's not nearly enough trains anywhere. No. And trains lose power all. a lot. Like, that was something that a lot of people learned yes. during that. They're like, well, that's uncommon. It was that's definitely the worst case scenario. But this has happened like this before. Not uncommon. Yeah. No, like um, I remember on my way, it wasn't not nearly this bad. But on my way back from Chicago, I went back in July, and the way there was totally fine. But the way back. Like, the train was delayed by, like, an hour and a half, and we found out late, because we were just, like, parked, and, like, or going, like, the most glacial pace on this train, or just, like, not moving for probably a good hour, and I had no idea why. I had somebody picking me up, so I was texting them, like, hey, I'm so sorry, I don't know what's happening, we're, like, stopped, we're not moving, and then finally, as we pick up the speed, we see, like, a tow truck, somebody had towed a car who had parked on mm -hmm. the train tracks. And that was the whole reason that we were 
um, that we were delayed because some idiot left their car on the train tracks. Where do you park? Like, really? Like, like that you're getting it? up on your high horse. Like you've never parked on yeah. train tracks. Uh, I I can't say that I have. Congratulations! No. Like you're the only one. <laughs> I'm Lissa sorry, knows what I I'm talking I'm about. In Europe, everyone parks on train tracks. <laughs> yes, Lissa, the adamant driver. Yes, I definitely drive in this country. Um, and you definitely park on the train tracks, right? <laughs> and I definitely don't know where to park if I would drive in this country. Yes. I would park in the train tracks or on the train tracks. If it was possible, then yes. See? See? <laughs> Called it. As always, I'm the man about town. I know what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls podcast. My name is Terry Smith. And with me today, as always, I have one half of the Slovenly Trolls. Sharday, how you doing? I am the best half of the Slovenly Trolls, and I'm doing fantastic. And we have the better half of the Slovenly Trolls, Lissa. Yes, that's accurate. That's me. Hi, Lisa. Here. <laughs> We're not here to talk about them today. We are here to talk about all the D&D and TTRPG news, because that's what we do on the show after we talk about Taylor Swift ruining trains for some reason for about a half an hour. Mm. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. We have lots of new games coming out, lots of OGL news, both good, both bad, and the other. We have Unions, we have Gen Con, we have D&D trailers, so let's just jump right into it. First up, Mongoose Pub publishing uh the traveler open content program if you don't know the traveler is a ttrpg and people like it people like traveler they also do the sea of thieves um rpg which if you don't know sea of thieves is a open world pirate game from microsoft Uh, if either one of you have played that over on xbox or on steam no yes i haven't played i haven't played it but i do know of it sure sure um it's really fun i played a lot with my wife and my friends um i do have a wife and friends i know people don't believe they exist but i swear um and we in fact not only do they exist but we play sea of thieves together (laughs) it's a very very fun game i didn't know there was an rpg i learned all of this yesterday when i looked up mongoose publishing because i had heard of traveler but i didn't know how expansive their rpg you know wheelhouse was and it is they do sea of thieves paranoia and then their future setting uh 2300 ad um which i hadn't heard of but apparently people love that and it's like the future of their other settings which is pretty cool but uh yeah they're jumping in on the open source uh stuff so their open content program similar to the orc which we'll get into later is you know uh ogl for all intents and purposes uh to compete with D's ogl so allowing people to make content using their content uh which is pretty cool i don't know the bits and bobs they haven't gone too far into it just that they're working on it they're working with the community they're working with some people that have already published third-party stuff using their systems so the existing content uh window over there already they're trying to bring everybody in house to say hey not only is it okay that you're doing things but we want to make sure we don't make the same mistake mistake so uh so let's talk about it so that's pretty exciting they're also working with a few other people um that are also making their own open gaming license which we'll get into later with the orc um but i was kind of excited just to see another company and uh also bought the sea of thieves rpg because i didn't know that existed and now there's another system to play pirates exactly right now what i do for pirates i do um seventh c which is a really cool oh, system yeah, yeah, in its yeah. third edition, I believe. Uh, it's all their all their versions have been great, but that's the one that we've used. Um, and uh, it, it's a good time. I love its setting specifically. It's kind of just like an analog to our world, 
but in pirate times, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, so that's partly why I was into that one. But I love Sea of Thieves, and it's a little bit more generic. So if you wanted to make your own uh, setting, you could probably do that a little bit easier using that system. So uh, check that mm-hmm. out. Uh, next up, Project Black Flag update. You two know about Project Black Flag, right? We've talked about that on the show. Yeah, that was yeah, I think one of the talk about one of the first it. major updates. Yeah, that Cobalt Presses, uh, not only OGL but yeah. also their code name for their project going forward for their own fantasy RPG, not named Project Black Flag. That's just part of Project Black Flag. Um, I found out. I thought it was all one and the same Project Black Flag going forward, but they're gonna have a different name. It's their unnamed D and D or um open fantasy setting so yeah the big update is hey here's some details on our game we've launched the orc and people are serious about it um so they they joined orc which was i know up in the air they weren't sure if their thing was going to go with paizo's thing but they're definitely a part of it and uh they're already getting ready to do their play testing so like we talked about their system was kind of already ready to go it seemed and uh it's starting in february that's so super soon <laughs> it's super soon it's probably the fastest i've seen yeah. out of all of these there's a couple of them that already were in already announced and already in the making and now are just joining up with this whole open gaming stuff um but this is the yeah. first one that i had seen that was announced after the news and is launching playtests so uh, of course i filled out the form and i'm joining that playtest so we'll be able to talk about that when it comes due but also i'm really excited for it i know i had some harsh words for cobalt press because of some of their uh stuff from their recent bundle they did but Mm -hmm. in general i own a lot of cobalt press shit like they one mistake does not a terrible company make necessarily so i'm excited to see what they do going forward and more eyes on another company that makes really cool content for the rpg space is always cool um how are you two feeling about project black flag i'll I'll let Alyssa take up this one first (laughs) i i feel like it has potential um i don't know if i would be excited because i'm still Mm -hmm. kind of dipping my toe into playing other TTRPGs outside of D&D, which I'm slowly beginning to do now, uh, which I can talk about. But, um, yeah, i hopeful, I guess. <laughs> Same. That's about <laughs> as far as you can get, right? Char, what about you? Cautious, cautiously optimistic, yeah. I think they're really doubling down on this, which gives me a bit of trepidation. I think it's good, but, you know, we also have to say that jumping onto the ORC and really pushing promo at this time can kind of seem to outsiders outsiders as opportunistic. Mm-hmm. However, this seems like it's something that just the timing just aligned this way. So there really was no choice. They kind of were, in my view, you know, as an outsider, it seems like they were kind of almost forced by public opinion to just choose a side real quick mm-hmm. <laughs> while they still had this, um, this, system in up like in their company so and they also in this announcement have like somebody actually drew them or like painted them like official art for project black flag mm-hmm. you can buy their merch right now yeah they have merch which again i'm just like hell yeah you can represent but also i'm just like merch yep <laughs> that's a, i mean okay i i get it but i'm also like okay i i kind of see what what's happening a little bit but again cautiously optimistic because mm. we need more games we need more systems 
this is going to be good for the TTRPG space in general. So with them overall, being opportunistic, what's what's your issue with them like coming out with their own system right now? Do you do you feel it's a little underhanded? Do you think that it's not as thought through? What's the what's the trepidation there? I I don't necessarily. I think I'm just a little bit iffy by the fact that they're really going gung ho about not necessarily the system because like I said before, if um if they're really doing playtesting in February, it seems like this the timing just aligned for them to start doing playtesting around this time. They had no control over what what the OGL news was. They kind of had to really make a PR statement, right? Right away. Mm-hmm. but going really like having art going like we're black flag like we're the rebels we're this i'm like yeah you're also a company <laughs> um and this is also can be seen as pr like good pr like very good pr people are very excited for this it's working out very well for them but it is a pr campaign also like underneath it all but if it leads to a great system then doesn't really matter honestly if it's i get you system, so it's, it's more like the light that they're being painted in like oh they're the saving grace of all of this yes. but they're just another and company too yes so your problem is more yeah. capitalism always always capitalism it's fair it's fair capitalism <laughs> yeah. is the bad guy um and you're not wrong i mean it's just a company the problem is with that is that you have to be if you want to do totally. it totally. you know unless unless your daddy's rich right um, and then you don't right. have to incorporate. Mm-hmm. You can just do whatever you want for fun. Um, but the sad part that's of it is it. they kind of have to. So, like, I'm excited for that, but I do understand the trepidation. That's fair. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on is a game that we've talked about a little bit last year, and that's Cloud Empress. Um, their Kickstarter is finally launched, and uh, it looks like fully backed um, <laughs> very quickly. Oh, 47000 from their $2,500 goal. They um, It's a campaign setting for the Mothership RPG. Um, and when we talked about it, we were like, this seems weird, and the art seems weird, and really cool and off-putting, and we were excited, but like, what the fuck is this? And apparently, everybody else also was like, what the fuck is this, but super in, um, which is really exciting. Since then, I got, I've had a chance to check out a little bit of the Mothership RPG and talk to some people who really, really like it. Like, it's one of those kind of cult RPGs that they only play Mothership, and so they're excited for another big campaign setting in it which is neat i haven't had a chance to play it i've had a chance to look at the book but i haven't had a chance to actually check it out um but if you're looking for sci-fi horror all that stuff that's where you get the mothership rpg uh system but this one also kind of combines the nausicaa um like that japanese um i i guess i don't know fantasy but like almost uh cozy world next to the horribly terrible um capitalism and industrialization is ruining the world vibe too Mm -hmm. so that's kind of exciting i like that idea in an rpg to see those worlds meet a little bit especially in um something that does the mothership really well because that does the science part really well and that's something that uh the miyazaki films and that type of setting does really well is marrying the fantasy with the sci-fi uh so that's kind of exciting plus giant bugs so you know who doesn't want to play a game with giant bugs everyone loves giant bugs (laughs) the prince bug specifically is the one i was looking at and i was like yeah that's cool i'm in i'll I'll definitely check that out (laughs) yeah 
All right. Um, moving on to a uh, little bundle they have over on the DMs Guild. This is the Trinkets and Treasures Collection Bundle. Uh, friend of the show, Megan, has worked on some of these books. And uh, great value for what you actually get out of everything. I'm going to bring out the pricing right here. Um, over on DMs Guild, which I know is a little bit of a sore spot right now because they work directly with, um, you know, uh, Watsky and 5th Edition. But mm -hmm. like we talked about in other shows, people were already making this content before the OGL issue. So don't stop supporting your favorite creators just because they have to be in business with Watsky right now. Um, but for $11, you get four books. You get the Spelljammer, Dragonlance, and Ravenloft, uh, Trinkets and Treasures. That's three books, Terry. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. Okay. That's hard. It is. It is. They're like $5 separately. So the bundle price, you're saving a buck yeah, on each a... of them. So. A good deal. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more than the buck, but I'm not doing all the math. You get it. For 10 bucks, you get three books. <laughs> totally worth it. Um, go check that out. Uh, I, I don't have enough good things to say about it, except for if you need fucking items, that's the best way to go for them because so often people buy the Watsky books, and that's something we've talked about here too, is that they're kind of lacking when it comes to content. Like, it's a little light mm -hmm. compared to what they used to be. And uh, these books are a great supplement to that. So if you bought, like, uh, Spelljammer and you were a little disappointed by the lack of uh, trinkets and treasures inside... Well, there's an easy fix for you, plus some really cool creators. So check that out. Moving on. Uh, Lissa, you sent this one over to me the other day. Color My Quest. Uh, it is a Dungeon Run Adventures, a whole new way to play My Color Quest, the color and cut fantasy role-playing game. I am very excited about this. It's like a children's coloring book D&D RPG. I thought you might be. As yeah. soon as I saw it, I was like, this is this seems like Terry would be interested in this. <laughs> My kids were also super excited. They're like, we get to color the dungeons? Yeah. That's so cool. They were. I had to explain to them Kickstarter because I was like, I don't know if it's going to hit the goal, guys. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to say, like, we might not be able to do this. Here, here, children, there's this carrot that I'll dangle in front of you, but uh, I don't know if you'll get it. Um, it depends on <laughs> other people uh, funding it. Mm. <laughs> it comes from Dice Up Games and Tim Devine. Um, the idea is it's a GM-less way to play, you know, this RPG without a narrator. Um, you color your quest and you do RPG things. You put your characters on the map. The kids also get to color their characters. Or adults. You know, it's not just kids that are limited to it. You can play it too. No problem there. Um, it's almost at its goal. Its goal is $2,000. It's at 1600 right now. So you can go back that, check that out if that seems interested. I sent it to a couple of friends who aren't big, like, D&D uh, players or, or fantasy um, RPGs, but they love coloring and arts and crafts and just, like, cozy things. And they said this might be their intro to it. They're like, even though it's for kids, Ooh. they're like, I think this might be my gateway into playing D&D. &D. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is pretty That's exciting. Awesome, yeah, like I, I, I had a couple of friends during the pandemic who just got really into like their way to survive was they bought coloring books. Oh yeah, adult coloring thing. Yeah, they started with yeah. adult coloring books, and then they just and then they just went to they just like buying whatever they could find. Coloring was just their their mm -hmm. way to go. Um, they bought me some awesome yeah. adult coloring books. Like I have the Game of Thrones and the DC um series, and then they just started sending me That's what rad. they thought was cool, even though it was quote unquote for children. Um, and there's some really, it's a really interesting community out there that just does coloring, uh, 
I just didn't know how deep it went. But you can back that over there for $10, and you can get um, uh, without a reward. And then at the – I guess you can just do $10 for fun. It's back what you want. Uh, the $9 gets you the digital set. $12 gets you the digital dungeon and companion. And $15 or more gets you the actual printed version, I believe. Um, 19 mm-hmm. gets you the entire volume one like bundle, so on and so forth. You get it. Go check that mm-hmm. out if you want some coloring in your D&D. Um, they have a really cute uh, beholder you know, with all of the eyes and everything. Uh, and that's what my daughter latched onto. She said it looked like Mike Wazowski. So. Aww. <laughs> Mike Wazowski, if you don't know. Exactly. If you don't know, Mike Wazowski is actually a really common miniature um, kit bash. So a lot of people buy little, like, $1 Dollar General Mike Wazowskis, take off the arms and legs, and make a custom beholder. Really? When you say it like that, that makes total sense. Right? It's, like, really obvious, but you don't think of it at first. But it's, like, it's super-duper common. I, in fact, have a Mike Wazowski Eye the Beholder, or Eye the Beholder, just Beholder somewhere laying around here. (gasps) Oh, my God. The the intricacies and the creative minds behind miniatures is just a whole other ballgame. That's genius. Yeah, I, I, I fell in love with miniatures a long time ago, but then didn't know how big the custom community was. And there's this whole idea of recycling because miniatures are so expensive and there's so many things that they don't make, whether it's like it's not 3D printed or it's not from the official setting or whatever. So there's a whole community that buys these, uh, you know, cheap figures from like Dollar General and repurposes them, Um, you know, custom doing it, Mm -hmm. hodgepodge, painting them. It's really, really neat. So check that out on TikTok if you get bored. It's it's a surprising uh, deep dive. Uh, moving on, uh, another good uh, game here coming from Bits and Bobs is the Adventures in ADHD. This comes from Awfully Queer Heroes, which we've talked about on this show before. Um, may I have your attention, please? Such an innocent question until the <laughs> Fae who asks it quite literally walks away with your attention. Now you must journey into the magical, whimsical Fae realm of Lost Studio to get it back. Adventure in ADHD educates players about ADHD in a diverse, inclusive environment while following a fantastic adventure through the Fey domains of delight. See you in the Fey Wild. Um, over 130 pages, 20 spells, 20 side quests, 20 monsters, 10 subclasses. It's pretty cool. I love all the ADHD content coming out these days. Awfully Queer Heroes has some awesome products. You can get the PDF for 20 bucks. You can get a soft cover version for 30 and a hard cover for 40. Um, not a bad deal. You can get like combos of that as well for like i think 40 dollars you can get the pdf and soft cover uh, which is usually what i prefer to do so i can have both the fun one to look at on my on my mantle and then uh one to actually be able to hit control f and find what i'm looking for <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. way easier that way exactly any interest in adventures in adhd terry you had me at fate wild <laughs> <laughs> well did i have you or was your attention taken Oh, are you saying, are you admitting that you're a fae? Did you take my attention? I'm admitting that I definitely have ADHD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you take Adderall and you're hoping to have a good time and you just, you know, you're pretty chill and focused for the night. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Not me, but I can ask my brother who also has ADHD. <laughs> He's like, oh, like it's basically speed. I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. Um, they're like, but it's safer, kind of. Not really. Um, it's and a then version. it's an over the counter. Yeah, and then you find out, hey, maybe you should just be medicated. Um, anyways, don't do drugs, kids. Uh, um, moving on to the village crier. My favorite point of the show is when we just talk about you know D and D shit. Um, and the stuff that's actually happening in the news. So let's get into the OGL madness of this week. Lots of stuff have happened since our last show. First up, D&D Shorts, the trust me bro as we called him last week, came forward and was like, Hey, I have all this information from insiders. I did not create this information. I'm not lying about it. I have all my receipts. Linda Codega from Gizmodo is also reporting on all the things I'm saying. That's an actual reporter with trusted sources and backed up my claims and this is what we've heard and what they heard was hey nobody reads those surveys at least at the moment maybe they used to before but at the moment no one reads those surveys that they put out so the fact that the new ogl is going to be quote-unquote play tested is a little bit troubling um i'm going to put out this video with all my receipts and uh then prior designers that have already left watsky um said hey we fucking read them and people who are at the company now including some posts on dnd beyond and designers that are currently on the one dnd project said hey fuck face uh we <laughs> check um all those things we incorporate things and uh dnd shorts had to be like okay i'm not a reporter this is the stuff i've heard i'm working with this reporter and then th it was corroborated a little bit more and things were clarified um they don't read the things that you type in they take the data when you click the box that says hey i don't like this mechanic or i do like this mechanic but they don't read the other section where they're like tell us why um their claim is that the why part the the part where you can type a paragraph in and submit it is the part that is ignored at least now um so that was part of the madness and then there was lots of other things uh that were caused issue like the 30 dollars subscription fee they posted some receipts about that and dnd of course said that's not true um they announced that the ogl will be play testing they're going to do that the now head designer of dnd through dnd beyond said hey we fucked up i'm sorry we are going to play test this we won't do anything without hearing from you first here is this draft forget the old draft still calling it a draft which makes a lot of people upset because they were trying to have people sign it um this new draft says all the things that you kind of want to hear um that they will not be revoking 1.0 that was a mistake they you don't have to worry about this in the case of if you're a streamer if you make things for vtt if you don't actually make books that sell under the ogl license this doesn't affect you at all the people that do do that we're not going to ask you to uh tell us how much money you're making anymore they essentially tried to take back everything they said while still claiming that they need to put out an ogl um which has those as some people causing issues so is there anything that i'm missing from you two anything that you wanted to clarify anything else you want to talk about and what are your opinions on this week's ogl madness um i think the biggest thing that like i was keeping my eye on was the stuff from dnd shorts because mm -hmm. he really hyped up that video a lot like mm -hmm. in the week like uh, before its release 
I think it was supposed to be released Wednesday of last week, but it actually ended up being released Sunday mm-hmm. because he started getting a lot of pushback from people. Because um, I think he like he kind of hinted. So we did a video early in the week when they when Wizards made a response, and then he like teased like I have information that says this isn't true, and when and he's like here's the receipts to prove it. Your um your feedback isn't getting to Wizards of the Coast, and that sent everybody up into a, a tizzy rightfully so like nobody's reading our survey responses for one D. what the hell is going on it kind of stirred the pot a little bit by just kind of dipping that or just like giving a taste of like hey i'm gonna have an expose video come out um here is why this whole like pr stunt is just a stunt because i have people on the inside and then everybody got at least from my perspective because i've been watching it mostly on twitter a lot of people got rightfully upset Mm -hmm. and um but then like maybe after a day people who actually work at wizards of the coast started coming out and saying this is categorically untrue we don't know who this person is talking to we do read your survey responses um and so that caused the creator dnd shorts to kind of walk back his claims saying that oh whoa, whoa, whoa hold on maybe i was you know maybe i should have checked things you know or maybe i should have done this better or this is like basically like doing a huge backpedal himself mm-hmm. and that kind of got my attention a little bit i'm just like wait, wait how vetted is he like he was claiming that he had all of the like he checked all of these boxes he was doing his research he was doing his independent he was basically doing independent journalism mm-hmm. um but not being yeah. checked by a major publisher um so i'm just like it really got me questioning like what were what was his tactics here like what 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 were, was his step-by-step process and um i think a lot of other people started questioning it as well rightfully so um you should always look at situations like this with like a very critical eye and he eventually released the video and um said you know he apologized saying that i think i might have you know misconstrued these words here are the emails that i sent and here are the responses that i got and there was some additional clarification added as well from those people when they saw the pushback because they're like no like we exist like we did say that but this is what we actually meant Yes, and he did release the original emails, and I did comb them over because I I think I asked Lissa. I'm like, Lissa, you have to give me those emails. I need to rhetorically analyze them <laughs> to see if, to see yeah. to see if like if he was just like maybe he was you know benefited that maybe he was looking for ways to stir the pot. Like you don't know somebody's motives, but looking at the emails that he if they are legitimate like he says they are it seems like a genuine you know misunderstanding the people who he was talking to seemed to just be from my understanding from what i could understand which however much you can understand from an email from a person you don't know they seemed very upset they seemed very like gung-ho about getting the information out there and maybe that clouded their judgment in the way that they presented the information to D&D shorts mm-hmm. so it's not entirely on him that he misconstrued some of the information but with the video that came out on Sunday and watching through it I'm still kind of skeptical in this whole situation because like some of the ways that he was wording things I literally like made a note to myself saying he was exaggerating too much he said I'm not going to show you every email that I sent because literally he he said literally he literally exchanged a million words 
And I'm like, that is categorically untrue and not what literally means. <laughs> you could not have exchanged a million words. I know you're a YouTuber or a TikToker. I have the utmost respect for people in that profession. Seriously, I watch so many creators. Like, I get it. You need to, like, be personable. You need to be um, entertaining. But, like, this is serious. Don't say you literally have a million words. That's just, why would you say that? And then I got really nitpicky, and this is just a me thing, but his background, he had, like, pin-up models of, like, fantasy women characters, and I'm just like, ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, my eyes went right to that in the background that he used. I'm like, oh, um, what, what is that? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Which is 100% just a me thing. It's just a me thing, but that's, I noticed that, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think he... I think he's doing okay work. I think bringing this to the table, having people talking about it, putting more pressure on Wizards is a good thing for the corporate side. But I'm definitely more skeptical than I was when he first started talking about this. And that's kind of my, you know, 10 cents on the whole thing. Right. Like, he definitely brought the receipts. He definitely didn't outright lie or anything like that, which is kind of where I was at a little bit with my skepticism was like, yeah. hey, this is a lot of trust me, bro. Yeah. You heard this from someone you heard this from, you know, like it was a little bit. So he definitely came with that. There was some YouTuber exaggeration for sure. And there was a little bit of people inside excited to talk to somebody because they were upset. Right. So there was a little bit of exaggeration on their part as well. But for the most part, nothing he said was untrue. It was just a little bit more skeptical and he exaggerated a lot um with like the bombshells the video itself watching it was more just like hey the stuff i said i have receipts for so i believe a lot of what he talked about he but he made it seem a little bit more controversial than what it ended up being um the interesting yeah, exactly. part away yeah. from it was the receipts he brought for the 30 dollars subscription model um which was we like we talked about before it's, it's a lot of corporate hyperbole and the stuff they're looking for but when it comes to their monetization that they're trying to push with D&D Beyond and why they bought D&D Beyond that was more interesting honestly than some of the stuff with the OGL cuz that was a little bit more subjective whereas in uh, all of the monetization bits and the stuff that they were talking about of why they bought D&D Beyond and what they were planning to do with it was really interesting cuz it it was all very believable to me uh, from somebody who's worked in corporate and had people who were unrealistic mm -hmm. with their expectations said, you know what, why don't we do it like this video game? <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of interesting to me and lent more um, validation to that aspect of the leak. Uh, but overall, I was a little bit disappointed by the stuff they had, but glad that it wasn't all super untrue. Um, if anything, just for more reporting on the situation, I think it was very smart for him to hand over the investigation to Linda Cadega and to get yeah. things verified a little bit more. I think that's partly why the delay came in was he was like, hey, listen, I'm not a reporter. I, I know how to verify a lot of this stuff, but only anecdotally. Let's get a reporter involved, which I think is very smart. And the thing you should do, you know, work with somebody who is good at the job and professional. And Linda yeah. has been covering some awesome shit over at Gizmodo and io9 and is my go-to source for a lot of um, RPG news, but also just news in general. io9 is one of my favorite sites, or at least it was. Um, <laughs> their their Gawker ownership has really uh, fucked up a lot of stuff. Um, but but you, you get what I'm saying here. Uh, Lissa, though, I'd love to hear from you on what you think about all this. I mean, I was a little bit skeptical at first because it seemed too too good to be true. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued when, obviously, it was like... Uh, I have the smoking gun. Fading. 
Yeah, it, it, was bait, it was sort of baiting and dangling this, like, fish for you, and, like, I have this big expose and stuff like that, and yeah. then the video didn't come out, and then I'm like, okay, well, it didn't come out, and then he, once the backlash came um, about his Twitter thread, and he had deleted the Twitter thread, that I thought that was suspicious. I mean, obviously he was, like, uh, talking about how he was... Uh, apologetic but he was gonna do like the big video about it so when he took down the bit twit twit twitter thread twitter thread um i became more skeptical and i'm like okay well hold on yeah there's something going on here that he's not you know admitting to yeah there was a little bit of a roller coaster like oh how how bullshit did his leak end up being yeah and it wasn't the case Mm -hmm. but it seemed like it when that tweet was deleted right it was yeah. Because it was in it response, was and like, and then D and D officially started responding, which were like, "Oh shit, yeah. Yeah. stuff's going down." Yeah. And it was more just, "Hey, I'm going to cover my bases. I made some claims that I'm not sure if I can back mm-hmm. up yet, right?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, the video was interesting. I don't, I don't know what I thought about the video. It was interesting, but he admitted that he was handing it over to Linda, and that he. I think he made a good decision on the video. He read like word for word some of uh, the uh, what the sources were saying instead of adding his opinions to it or explaining it himself, which I think was a good move for him so that it wasn't like any misconstrued or anything like that. And citing some of his sources, um, what I do think the bad outcome of this was, I think there's a lot of question about because there were a lot of people on twitter uh who actually do work at wizards of the coast who came out and said you know we actually do read Mm -hmm. the stuff that you send us and then people who used to work there was like that's not entirely true because when i worked there like we did this and this and this and and i mean there were already people like attacking people who were working at wizards of the coast and this Mm -hmm. is not like necessarily their fault no not at all like the whole situation with open D D is not their fault and the fact that you know people whether or not they do read them and how much do they read them and do they read like do they just look at stats do they pull the stats off of those and then see like a general trend or do they look at individual ones and do they read like paragraphs of text if you write that like we don't know and it's a big company too just because one team doesn't doesn't yeah. mean another team does um you know or it's not mutually exclusive again working in big corporations there was data that we'd pull in and i've had people ask like why do we pull that data we don't use it it's not used it's it's you know resources we don't need to allocate this is dumb let's delete this pipeline of data and it, it goes and then some team i've never heard of who's never heard of me has this angry meeting scheduled you know swearing my name and their boss's boss and like i'm on a list somewhere and it's a shit list for sure the ceo is saying things about me like oh fuck what did i do like i just followed orders yeah. no one uses this data and they're like hey we use this every day um and while it's a different organization for sure that happens not everybody the right hand does not always know what the left is doing in a big company like that yeah absolutely so i don't know it's all it's all a little shitty it does lend more credence whenever you have competing stories like this instead of just someone flat out being the smoking gun saying yeah we do or no we don't the fact that there's confusion Mm -hmm. amongst the people inside i think says a lot about what's going on right yeah so for sure 
for clarification, all we get is the official notice, and that's going to go through a PR team. Um, so I don't think we're going to know the truth of what was happening before, or to be honest, what's going to happen going forward. But it's not good by any means. Um, should we talk about what was officially put out by Kyle Brink and the team over on D and D Beyond? Yeah, yeah. Just to yeah, get I like, so. I don't want to say it's their side of the story, but it's their public facing. Like, this is the statement we're gonna make. Right. So to talk about the OGL a little bit, they clarified again: your video content is your video content, whether you're a commentator, streamer, podcaster, live play, other video creator from something like YouTube, Twitch, TikTok. You've always been covered by the fan content policy, and the OGL doesn't and won't touch any of it. Your accessories, which is a confusing part to me because no one thought the OGL affected accessories. I think they're just putting no. out the shotgun blast like, hey, listen, don't worry about this stuff. The OGL's great. So I kind of was a little bit perturbed by them adding things like this. So minis, novels, apparel, dice, and other items related to your creation characters and worlds. No changes with the OGL. Non-published works, for instance, uh, contracted services. So, like, if you're a GM for hire or you make content for a group that you're paid to do, this doesn't affect you, obviously. But they're saying it doesn't, so I guess that's good, maybe. <laughs> VTT content. This is surprising that they're saying this. This is something they have pulled back because part of why they bought D&D Beyond and putting out this new OGL was to kind of get rid of other people's uh, VTT content. Like, virtual tabletop is the thing they're trying yeah. to corner mm -hmm. a little bit. And, you know. and I think we we kind of speculated on that when we first covered the um the acquisition because that mm -hmm. happened while yeah. we were doing Cave Trolls. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, we got to talk about this. Do you think they're trying to get rid of all these things? Like, yeah, absolutely. That's the corporate. That's a smart corporate thing to do. Just <laughs> buy the biggest one. And then you just squashed all of their competition. And that's something that came up in the video with a lot of receipts. Like, some of the other stuff was like, oh, I'm not going to mention the people here. Like, that one came with actual people that worked on the project saying, hey, this is why we're buying D&D Beyond. I actually don't like D&D Beyond, yeah. but I'm buying D&D Beyond so we can stop people from doing the VTT stuff that we don't want them to do. So, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I think this is probably a big concession from the corporate people when it comes to why they were doing this whole, whole OGL in the first place. Um, so, as they're trying to put out the fire, the big one, they're like, ah, fuck, I guess VTT content um, uh, won't be on it. So, that's kind of interesting to me. Um, DMs Guild content, content you release on DMs Guild, is published under a community content agreement with uh dungeon masters guild this is not changing which is good we just talked about them earlier in the show so that's important your ogl 1.0 a content which is the biggest thing nothing will impact any content you have published under ogl 1.0 a that will always be licensed under ogl 1.0 a that's a huge change um they're acting like that was never going to be a thing that 100 was going to be a thing that was a big mm. reason why they're up in arms and that's a big reason why paizo had already started a lawsuit against them um, they were taking legal action. They announced it. I'm not sure if that's still happening now because of this new message. Probably until they get it in writing, I assume. Yeah. 100%. Um, it would be, it would be like, you have to get it in writing. Yeah. Like, or else it's just like, trust. It's again, it's, it's, it's trust me, bro. Trust but it's me, a bro. big company. <laughs> Trust but, uh, me, bro, you're fine. Right. The <laughs> other big change was uh, your revenue. There will be no royalty or financially uh, financial reporting requirements, which is another thing that everyone's like, the fuck, man? Um, so that's a big concession. And your ownership of your content, you will continue to own your content with no license back requirements. Um, so those are all the huge changes. I love that they put them at the end of the list. You're like, oh, by the way, I guess uh, uh, we're not going to do this stuff. No way to bury the lead. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's all pretty interesting. I again, that's it's still trust me, bro. Until this license is done, um, they did start the OGL playtest like one day right after that. Um, so five days ago, they they put it out. They're they're giving the core D and D mechanics to the community. They said through the Creative Commons license, which is good that you're saying that. However, as we've talked about, it's not yours to give. The mechanics true. can't be copywritten. So, I know that that's one of the things where I saw that in their announcement, and I'm just like, we just talked about this, and then the illegal eagle came, legal eagle video came out around that time too, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure most of the people who are tuned into the situation know. That's not 100% necessary. So, like, the fact that that was in there at all just made me kind of not like doubt, but just kind of second guess everything else. I'm like, okay, how much of this do they actually mean? Because I know they didn't have to say that because they can't copyright game mechanics. Mm -hmm. But, like, it just the fact that they included that, I don't know if they did that quote unquote for the layman or if they did that just to, like, again, it's all pr it is pr it's to make the ogl seem number one necessary and number two great just like the old ogl Mm -hmm. was like something we've talked about before on the show even before all of this stuff was that you really don't need the ogl to make a DD clone you can't copyright mechanics that's why i love my jumbling tower set over there and my jenga set Mm -hmm. is both (laughs) like firmly on my shelf and i can buy both and you're allowed to and i can make um i don't know crumbling tower next week and no one can do fuck all about it and so if i wanted to create mazes and monsters probably not that one because that's a movie but if i wanted to do it and it's one-to-one but i change the names they can't do shit about it as long as i don't use their their iconography um so again this is just like spin to the people the layman the people who don't know better um look we're doing this awesome thing for you that we have to by law um you know it's like when people put down on their wow. resume that they did community service but it was court ordered you know <laughs> uh, it was voluntary work but like your mom made you do it. right exactly exactly so um the interesting part though is the next line is if you want to use quintessentially D content from srd such as owl bears and magic missiles ogl 1.2 will provide you a perpetual irrevocable license to do so now that is better mm-hmm. because those are things that you could try to claim ownership over you'd probably lose yeah but you could attempt it at least a little bit more successfully than you could uh you're rolling a d20 that's our thing um so that's interesting that they're doing that um doing it under the creative commons license is also interesting because i've talked about on here i've done share alike i've done creative commons publishing under that nonprofit. um it's dedicated to sharing knowledge and sharing it alike it's interesting that they're choosing to do this because I think this is something coming from their lawyers. Like, hey, if you want to do this and not have people push back the 1.0 stuff, this is the best way you can do it because it, it there's no more, we say it's irrevocable, but we can revoke it if we want to. If you do it under the Creative Commons, yeah. it is irrevocable. You can't take that back. So that's, that's interesting that they're like, putting their money a little bit where their mouth is when it comes to that like hey we cannot change this if we wanted to um Mm -hmm. i don't know how that works when it comes to if we put out a new like a 2.0 or a 1.3 or whatever uh but it is interesting um it's a non-commercial license as well so they couldn't take money if they wanted to there is a part i saw some scuttlebutt a little bit with if it's under creative commons you have to do additional wiggle room yourself 
to make money off of it. So I don't know where that comes into play. I've never done that. So that's worth looking into. I'd love to hear a little bit more insight from more legal-minded people, which I'm working on as well for this show. So that part is interesting. Um, but they're they're launching it. Like they've said, they're, they're trying to be honest. Protecting D&D inclusive play experience is their excuse here. The whole reason why they're saying they were trying to switch to 1.2 is because people put out racist and terrible things under 1.0, and we want to stop that. Um, which is bullshit, but great spin. Great spin. Uh, that was I mean, great that was spin as if they didn't just do the hat of these shit like less than a year ago. <laughs> less than a year ago. I like bold. Bold to put that there. Yeah, They're really, like, like bold move. Like, like because I mean, of 1.0, like things like Spelljammer exist, yeah. you know? Like it's crazy. Like Your Spelljammer, IP. not not Spelljammer itself. That's not bad. That's fine. Right. When their IP has, like, the most convoluted, awful history. Like, when I read that, I was like, are you... I was so close to doing a thread on the Slovenly Trolls Twitter. I was so goddamn close. I didn't because, like, I tried to get into the OGL, like, discussions before, but I really had nothing else to add. But I was just like, I I don't think I can even dip my toe in because it's such a... I I think a headache at this point to, like, be involved in... I like watching... And I like absorbing people's, you know, opinions on it, forming my own opinions. But like adding my two cents is a bit of a nightmare. So I was like, I really, I held back. I was so close though, because like we got receipts from our podcast. Like that's how that's just the bullshittiest of bullshits, <laughs> in my opinion. And and they clarified in the playtest announcement that they are still deauthorizing OGL 1.0. You cannot use that to make new content once 1.1 comes out or 1.2, whatever they're calling it. Um, anything published before that time is safe, but you cannot use 1.0 to create new stuff. Um, they're deauthorizing it, and they're saying they have to because then those protections against the racist stuff, the terrible stuff that the community puts out, cannot be uh, used. We can't use those protections that we're trying to make with 1.2 if we still let you make 1.0. So we gotta get rid of it. It has nothing to do with money. We wanna be the only ones who can put out racist shit for D&D. Mm. <laughs> That's what it really should say. Wow. I'm surprised nobody did like a meme or something like what they're saying and then what they're actually saying. I mean, they <laughs> might be. I don't know. I, I only read I this two days that. ago. So... Is a little bit like I've been busy with other stuff going on, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive into this, but I haven't seen people tear this apart as much. I'm guessing people are kind of getting over it. They're they're already done with Watsky, you know. They're like, well, I'm moving on. I'm more excited to see people form their opinions. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, there's that, and then uh, the very limited licenses changes allowed. Only two sections can be changed once OGL 1.2 is live. How you cite wizards in your Mm -hmm. work, and how we can contact each other. We don't know what the future holds or what the technologies we will use to communicate with each other. So we thought these two sections needed to be uh, future-proofed. So, yeah, that's what's going on with the playtesting. Check out that that thing for yourself. If you're legal-minded, let us know what you think. And I'd love to hear from you anyways. You can contact us at can'tbekilledcreations at gmail.com or at Pod, And just let us know. Like, what do you think of the shit they're still doing? Are you already over this? Are you done with Watsky? Do you not care? Are you excited that they're the only ones who can put out racist stuff if they want to? I'd love to hear about it. 
Um, that is, listen, I'm not throwing stones. That is literally what they're saying here. They're putting those protections so the community mm-hmm. can't do it, but they're still allowed to. Um, and if Spelljammer is any indication, they're going to. <laughs> uh, but they have that new board, remember? They put together a committee to make sure it doesn't happen again. So we'll see. Ah, uh, yes, because, mm-hmm. you know, every committee that does things in the United States of America, they just do, they just enact so much sure. change. Also, I just, I love it's very interesting that only now only once they do the racist shit should they put protections in that's interesting even though they've done it a million times before <laughs> listen uh, it's, it's not, we don't prevent it we just um handle it afterwards what are you a cop jesus <laughs> an american cop i don't know what they're like other places uh <laughs> we don't we solve crimes we don't prevent them <laughs> Oh, man. Anyways, next up, let's talk about the European RPG Studios Union. Emerges from the dust of D&D's OGL Storm to promote RPGs as art and protect creators. Have you two had a chance to read about the European RPG Studios Union? I uh, skimmed through it, and I'm still not 100% sure. Like, it's like, is are they unionizing? Like, they is are. That what I understand? Yeah. So three European role-playing studios have formed a new union as part of the ongoing fallout from D&D Industries shaking OGL plans. Um, This comes from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker. The founding members of the European RPG Studios Union are Studio Agate, the French team behind decorated gothic rpg shadows of, of esterin right uh <laughs> <and> fi- <laughs> listen the french they know how to protest um 5e they powered do do. sword and sorcery <laughs> um fate forge german publisher urwerk verlag known for fantasy rpgs splittermon and uh malmsturm an italian company Atron Games, maker of alt history RPG Lex Arcana, the Spaghetti Fantasy, Brancelonia, and Inferno. Those are the only ones I've actually heard of. I hadn't heard of the other two publishers, um, which adapts the hell of Dante's Divine Comedy for D&D 5e. We've covered a little bit from that studio with Lex Arcana, um, but the other two, news to me, um, from what I understand from Googling, they are popular, especially in Europe. Um, you know, obviously, if they're not making English speaking, uh, English speaking, so if they're not uh, printing English content, we're probably not reading about it, right? Um, but in a joint statement from the ESU, they said that it would work to promote role-playing games and advocate for recognition of tabletop RPGs as a genre of literature and form of art before national and European institutions, as well as serving to protect creators in the tabletop industry. The ESU told Dicebreaker these efforts will include a push to enable uh, eligibility for government subsidies, like those offered to book, film, and video game companies, and to promote academic study of RPGs and role-playing design courses within schools and universities. So the idea isn't necessarily that this is to combat the OGL as much as, hey, we're seeing these large companies do this. Let's let's uh, let's use this as a step to not only protect against that, but also let's get this nationally recognized by governments. Um, it's something that video games have been doing for a little while, especially in Europe. They have some great subsidies, and um, when you think of like things like CD Projekt Red, which are funded by like a large portion by the government, it's cool to see them going, "Hey, let's make this more official." And a union is a good way to do that to protect on multiple levels and to seem legitimately recognized. Mm-hmm. Any, any right any thoughts from our resident european lisa oh i i like it i i like <laughs> that they're trying to well i mean i think unionizing is always good um mm-hmm. because fight 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 the man Word. um 
and also i think they have a noble cause if if this is true which is if they want to like bring legibility and sort of recognition to tabletop rpgs which i think is very a very noble cause and i do like that and me as somebody who is a um what what uh no adjective should i use for myself for this um i love culture gothic horror yeah well also that <laughs> but, <laughs> but just culture in general i am a slut for culture <laughs> um so like to make rp tabletop role-playing games into something that's like a uh a, a, a cultural or part of like a bigger culture of playing I feel like that is something notable that hasn't maybe yet happened. I think it, it might grow and get to it because I think video games are more sort of considered art and sort of notable mm -hmm. than if you asked someone in the 90s. Uh, I mean, also they, yeah. also they didn't, they only began existing, you know, somewhere around there, but you know. Uh, so they like gain, gaining what am I trying to say gaining recognition and acceptance as a form of art and culture and I going think. going for it through the government is a really smart idea because yeah. that allows yeah. them to get government funding and it's a lot different than in the US in the US it's really difficult to do that we don't really do that Canada it's a little bit more prevalent if we're talking North America um yeah. but the fact that it's actually taking those steps to to unionize protects them on a lot of ways but like you said the like the legitimacy is going to be amped mm -hmm. up to get people to recognize like hey you can't say this isn't an art form when the government literally gives us money because we're art yeah yeah mm -hmm. so that's all good I it's think... good news around but yeah I, I think news and i hope that they succeed in what they want to do and i hope it sort of works on a legal level I, i'm interested in seeing if there's any other countries or sort of groups from other countries mm -hmm. that are going to join it it's interesting yeah that they're starting out this small with us three i would think that there'd be more but i think that's part of it too is it's yeah. always been kind of a disparate community um they don't work together and that's something that's really excited when you see like project black flag or the orc mm -hmm. or now now the european union like it's cool that they're coming together um and taking all of these separate fiefdoms and kind of going hey let's talk let's figure out what yeah. our common goal is let's find the common ground we have a common enemy so uh it's kind of cool to see them work together i think it's only the start i doubt next year if this mm -hmm. comes to fruition there's only three studios a part of it yeah yeah no, i feel like there is incentive for other companies to do the same if they want to make this into a notable thing right and make a difference in the industry yeah it'll be exciting to see too if it if it stays primarily a fifth edition thing or with all mm -hmm. of these open gaming licenses and all these new games on the horizon if it expands and we see um lots of new games and potentially uh, license underneath this union or a shared uh, gaming idea too because that's something that always excites me I know that's always the most difficult but when I see studios working together even if it's just hey we're just not fighting anymore it's interesting to see what does that bring collaboration in any sort any sort of crossover yeah. that kind of thing um, that's my favorite thing that happens in video games and comic books so to see it happening in the RPG space is really exciting yeah Ah, uh, well, anyways, let's move on from unions and let's talk about the orc update. So apparently, 
more than 1,500 RPG publishers have signed on to the Orc. Um, this article comes from J.R. Zambrano over at uh, Bulls. I had never heard of this website, bellofsouls.net. A couple of people talked about it, but this had the most in-depth article about it. Um, and I'm going to read from the quote that comes from Paizo. Over the course of the last week, more than 1,500 tabletop RPG publishers from household names going back to the dawn of the hobby to single proprietors just starting out with their first digital release have joined together to pledge their support for the development of a universal system-neutral open license that provides a legal safe harbor for sharing rules mechanics and encourages innovation and collaboration in the tabletop gaming space. The alliance has gathered. Work has begun. Um, it's a really cool sentiment. It's a really cool thing. It still is marred a little bit by the fact they're saying the game mechanics thing. Listen, you can steal all the game mechanics you want. I'm telling you. It's legal, at least in the U.S. <laughs> Fantastic. I love uh, But it's cool. Like, even past game mechanics, the fact that they're all these people are joining on again, they're like, hey, you know what? Fuck this. Let's go to a better place. I think this is really cool. And it's interesting to see Paizo leading it because, again, we've mentioned this. Like, they left in the wake of 4th Edition coming out and those changes and made 3.5 their homestead. And that's where Pathfinder came from. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that they're leading the charge. Uh, Like Sade said, they're still a company. They're a smaller company than Watsky. So take that with a grain of salt their goal is still to make money i don't disparage you know uh disparage them for that like if that's what they want to do i who am i to besmirch their good name um but just be careful when you look to them as a savior as humans are wont to do we want to find a figure to look to that will save us um one day if this gets big enough they will be a large entity as well the cool thing is if you take these steps ahead of time before that happens unlike communism where you know the final step you know you get the power back to the people <laughs> uh but it's hard to do because you know once you have power it's very difficult to hand it over the one ring style yeah. um if you take these steps in the beginning that you can't take the power from them even if you wanted to um that's smart and that'll be kind of cool to see them go with the orc license alliance uh we still don't know too much. It's just that, hey, we're going to agree to join this alliance and we're going to make this license that we can all share shit. We don't know what that means because the license isn't real yet, really. Um, mm-hmm. There's a gigantic list of people on this. Um, obviously, you know, Paradigm, Paizo, we've mentioned uh, Cobalt Press, but the list is expansive. Um, I will, again, link to this article because it lists a bunch of names, but... I don't know <laughs> what we'd gain if I read all of them, but there's names. You're going to recognize all of them. Roll20 was one that I thought was really interesting, you know, as the D&D Beyond uh, yeah. thing is going on with them, you know, cornering the VTT market. Roll20 is their biggest competitor there, and Roll20 has said, you know what? We already publish and allow people to do stuff from tons of systems on our platform. We're joining the Orc. So that was one that was notable to me um what about you two what do you think of this gigantic mass migration to the orc i think it's putting pressure on wizards to figure their stuff out and um realize that you know you can be a monopoly but once you become a greedy monopolist uh, people are gonna turn around and say no we don't like this and you know it's very easy for everyone else to band together and be like uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't want to say maybe like do a 180 and sort of be become the competition, but I, I but feel yeah. like this is I feel like they people are showing rather than telling them yeah. that we did not like what you did and we don't like the direction you're going in by, you know, putting actions behind their words and grouping together and being like, you know, we can do better than what you did to us. And I love that. And like I said, them taking these steps to go, hey, we're going to make this open license. You sign on. You can't take it back. No gives these backsies. We're making sure that people can make the shit, um, which is really exciting to see. So if any one yeah. of these studios gets the gigantic, if Pathfinder does come out as the winner in all of this, quote unquote, winners, you know, um, and yeah. that's what people play now is they're going to. We don't say we're playing D&D, even though it's a different game. Like how people, like older people say Nintendo for all video games. They don't say D&D. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, playing Pathfinder but you're really playing call of cthulhu or whatever yeah um if that happens the steps are being taken to make sure they don't become the next necromancer so uh that's that's pretty neat i'm excited about it char what do you think about the gigantic number joining the orc i think char went to get the door son of a bitch <laughs> i didn't know i didn't see i see that she's muted now she has nothing to add to this it's fine moving on yep someone is at the door i'll be right back that's my bad it was in topic so i didn't see it um <laughs> char's gone char's dead rest in peace char long live char um she loved a good life <laughs> but yeah i'm excited to see where this alliance goes moving on to our last story in the village crier um, let's talk about Gen Con dropping their COVID-19 safety protocols. So no vaccine requirement, no mask mandate for the tabletop convention in 2023. Uh, this comes from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. Gen Con's 2023 table convention held in Indianapolis, Indiana, will not require attendees nor exhibitors to wear masks and provide proof of COVID-19 vaccines. The organization behind the long-running convention released a statement earlier this month announcing, announcing the registration dates and badge prices for its 2023 uh, convention, but tucked below was confirmation that Gen Con would drop the health and safety precautions it had previously upheld in its events in 2022. Quote, the health and safety Gen Con participants remains a top and priority for convention organizers organizers gen con will continue to monitor the guidance of marion county department of public health and the cdc regarding appropriate safety measures as the convention date nears unquote the press release on the organization's website read so uh yeah how do we feel about all of these different uh cons this is not the only one we've talked about others uh since but they're dropping their safety protocols no masks no vaccines necessary uh come one come all get your germs Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, I don't I don't wear my mask everywhere I go, but when I go into a crowded place, I still do. Um, COVID aside, weirdly, my, I have two young children, and they bring home all sorts of germs. And I know, mm -hmm. just like trying to do my part, I'm an incubator for that. So when I go places, uh, because I am in contact with so many little ones and stuff, I, don't, I wear a mask because I can easily spread that shit um mm -hmm. and you go into walmart like if i go to i i don't know a friend's house i don't wear a mask but if i go into walmart which has you know hundreds of people at any time i wear one because it's spread and i appreciate when i see other people wearing them um yeah and a convention a convention notorious for spreading germs even before covid19 was a yeah. problem uh and they're just like nah don't worry about it that's a little upsetting the fact that they're using the out of saying well 
Um, you know, the the CDC says it's no problem. The CDC has said it's no problem since the beginning, basically. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to the CDC <laughs> at this point. We all know. No. Don't, don't do that. So, that's a little bit that. I don't think this upsets me nearly as much as it would have last year. There have been yeah. not nearly as many spikes in cases. Um, the vaccinate vaccinations are going up. Uh, I I know people that I that I used to talk to who didn't get vaccinated, who got sick since have gotten vaccinated. You know, like a little bit of lessons learned. Um, and it just seems like we have a better hold of it. I think it's still so early on it could go out of tr- control again. But that's all anecdotal. So I'm not yeah. nearly as mad as I would have been. It still means I probably don't want to go to Gen Con this year, <laughs> which is it kind of sucks because yeah. that was something I was considering. You know, we talked about getting badges before, um, and, and mm-hmm. buying you know tickets and whatnot. And I I don't want to do something like this. It's something I've had to approach for all my comic book stuff. I've been asked if we're going to Comic Cons and different conventions, yeah. and I'm still nervous about that kind of thing, like about buying a booth and going to know I'm going to get COVID when I go. Yeah. So I don't know. What about yeah, you two? What as- does this do? I recently had COVID over break for the first time. And so as somebody who has now experienced COVID, but I am like fully vaccinated, I've had all the booster shots. It still fucks you up like real bad. It still fucks you up. And like, I got it from my dad who is high risk. I was in a house with people who were high risk. And like, I wish I could say I wasn't as mad, but I'm still mad. Like as somebody who has had like COVID like reemerge in their life like very very personally like it has affected me <laughs> like i'm still fucking i'm really mad <laughs> i'm so mad because it's still out there but people i don't know if i trust the numbers because i know so many people who have been sick with it recently yeah and because there's with so many other things going on with on. it they're not they're not going and because we've become a little bit more I don't know, used to it. There's a lot of people who are getting yeah, exactly, it, who are surviving, yeah. not having big problems going, well, I probably just had a cold. No, you probably had COVID. You know, there's a good chance you because RSV yeah. is back. The flu is back. Like, it's a big problem. You can't tell now. And if you have been vaccinated you and you're not getting long COVID systems, which you don't know if you are, because there's tons of shit that they're finding out affects you really long term, mm-hmm. you might have it and it might not be a problem for you, just like the flu back in the day, but you can still give it to somebody who could give it to somebody else who could have a terrible problem with it and so it's just a little scary in that part it's just because i'm okay now like i'm still on the lookout for long covid symptoms i'm still on the lookout for covid long covid symptoms for my dad who Mm -hmm. is much older than me and like i'm genuinely like that's one of my biggest like fear slash priorities right now is like i i know it's still out there i'm still trying to be as careful as possible but there's only so much i can do when there's stuff like this happening and there's people not taking it as seriously anymore and it's just kind of disheartening honestly and it it sucks because just because it's going away doesn't mean that you should relax anything it means what you've been doing so far is working keep doing that don't relax stuff until like there is really like i don't really know what the numbers are i'm not like a scientist i don't know what the you're not a scientist of people i know my master's degree is done in science. <laughs> it's in the arts. Um, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but like, it still just doesn't feel safe for me to like do something like this. And I know it's been a huge conversation on TTRPG Twitter for a really long time, like for basically the entire pandemic. 
but it, the conversation's never gone away. There are a lot of people who have who are immunocompromised, who are disabled in the community, who can't go to these because of this. And they're big creators, and they want to mm-hmm. meet people, and they want to do these things. But because the convention isn't accommodating them, they lose out on income. They lose out on networking. Yeah. They're losing out on all of these opportunities. So it's not even just about like people like me, who's a more able-bodied person who was just affected by COVID, like, I could go to this if I wanted, but some people don't even have that choice because of the choices that these, I don't know if it's the company, the people in charge, the board, whoever runs Gen Con have made this choice to just isolate a chunk of their community and just be like, well, you're not worth it. And that sucks. Right. And for everybody, really. And the thing is, like, you could easily say, hey, we don't need, you don't need to do those things if you're going to the corner store. But if you're having a convention specifically, you gotta, you gotta mask up. You know, like, I feel like that would go a long way. But yeah, so it sounds like we're probably not attending Gen Con this year, which is a little bit disappointed just because I kind of wanted to. Uh, when it was something Same. I was actively working towards and figuring out. So that just sucks a little bit. I mean, I guess great on my wallet, but <laughs> uh, sucks yeah. overall. Um, Lissa, you were planning on crossing the ocean to come to Gen Con this year, right? <laughs> yes, I definitely was planning on doing that with the funds that we make at this podcast. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Loads, loads. You know, that is, that sweet, ticket. sweet $25 check I'm about to send you, that would have covered most of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. That was a long way totally. towards my plane tickets. Well, I'm sorry. Um, or or you're welcome, I guess. Uh, you don't have to come to America. So. <laughs> Both. Right. Uh, not mutually exclusive. Um, moving on to our final segment, Bardic Inspiration. Let's talk about the D&D movie. Or, uh, rather, let's not talk about the D&D movie. People are boycotting this thing in wake of the OGL and everything that's going down. Uh, we talked about last week how they really need this to be good, not just for the brand, but for the bigger Hasbro and the studio yeah. itself. This They put a lot of money in marketing behind this, um, in marketing money, and for all intents and purposes, it looks good. It looks exciting. People are excited about this who aren't into D&D. It's hit the mainstream. This could be a big success. And now a large swath of the D&D community, the players at home, the RPGers, are saying, nah, bro. Which is, again, crazy because this was super exciting. Uh, at the beginning of the year before all this stuff, I knew almost everybody was going to go see this. Uh, where are we at? Where are we landing mm-hmm. when it comes to people boycotting? When it comes to are we going to see it? What are you two feeling? I'm so mixed. I'm so mixed. I, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out because, again, it, it, it just, it hits different when it's something that you've been looking forward to for a over two years, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to support the movie because I, if this movie is good, I want to support more good D and D movies. I want movies set in the Forgotten Realms. I love the Forgotten Realms, and it seems like that's where they were going to be heading with this film franchise is they want to do stories there and i wanted to see that explored in a in a new medium with a budget that actually makes sense and with actors that can draw in crowds that aren't D people like i was hyped <laughs> and now the ogl happens and i see people wanting to boycott it to just send a message to wizards of the coast and to hasbro and i'm like i totally understand why you want to do that but then we won't be getting any more D&D movies. It kind of sucks <laughs> for the consumer. 
And like, I'm still like totally on the fence about it because I totally understand why people want to do it. I'm considering doing it. But also, I'm pretty sure the movie studio is in a whole different other fucking department than <laughs> the people who design the games who are doing this OGL stuff. I mean, it's all under Hasbro, obviously. But, like, I don't know. I'm so torn. I still don't know what to do. I'm still processing it because it's only been, like, a week. So, I mean, we have time to process it and right. figure out what we want to do. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm eager to hear both of your opinions, too, because... I don't. I still don't know how to feel about it. Tell me how I should feel. <laughs> I don't know how to feel. <laughs> Lisa, what are you thinking when it comes to the D and D movie? Um, I don't know. I I wasn't like I was enthusiastic, like mm, like cautiously optimistic about the movie to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I will watch it eventually. Uh, but with the whole thing, I might delay watching it until I don't know if there's an option that gives people gives wizards slash Hasbro less money. Um, mm-hmm. whether that's like seeing it at a friend's house or. I'm not gonna admit to illegally <laughs> obtaining anything. Uh, we don't but know I, how to I, do that. I don't know how to do that. I am not um, technologically literate or anything. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to go in the first week to the movie theaters. I might not even go in the first month to the movie theaters. I, I'm going to delay watching it okay. is what I've mm-hmm. decided. I don't know how long and I don't know how I'm going to eventually watch it. Uh, but I want to stick up my middle finger to the man okay. as much as possible and try to figure out um, some way to say this is not okay what you're doing. I mean, that, that'll definitely do it. You know, that that's a big thing that they've, uh, they've put out when they're like, hey, this OGL fire needs to be put out. Um, because you're, you're fucking over our entire marketing campaign for this movie that we put a lot of money into and we were expecting to do uh, probably not Transformers numbers, but, you know, at least big ones big, yeah. um, leading yeah. into it. So that's interesting. Um, I- I've seen a couple people compare it to, like, Hogwarts Legacy. They're like, well, I'm not buying that game. It's the same thing. I'm not going to go see this. Uh, having a company be capitalistic and kind of screwing over its fans is not the same thing as being transphobic um, and having, like, racist people work on the game. It's not the same thing. <laughs> they are They are not equal evils, in my opinion. However... Um, I too am considering not going to see it, which sucks because I love the Forgotten Realms. You've heard me talk about it here. The setting itself is so rife with stuff that I love. I love the stories. Ari Salvatore mm-hmm. has been one of my gateways into fantasy since I was a little kid. So I was exciting to see a lot of that stuff come to the big screen in like a package that I really appreciate, right? Like this does have a lot of the Marvel trappings. This is going to be a fun movie. Um, so mm-hmm. I was really excited for all that stuff. That being said, you know, I don't want them to think that they can just do this. It sucks that this Mm -hmm. message is being sent at the time where it's like, oh, this is the thing I really want from them. They are separate entities, kind of. They are all under the same umbrella, and it is going to benefit the same thing. The people who made the movie had no part in uh, this Mm -hmm. decision or honestly any part of the game other than the fact that they were fans of it. So that is part where Mm -hmm. you are sending the message to the big company um, and to fix it. However, um, the people that are going to get hurt by it 
are just as much as casualties as we are as the mm -hmm. community. So it's it's not an easy decision. It's black and white. I haven't made my decision yet. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, I'm sure I'll get lambasted for that. <laughs> like, I'm not a bootlicker. I just I was excited about the movie, you know? We're going to get canceled. <laughs> right. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, straight white, dude. I was bound to get canceled eventually anyways. Um <laughs> Uh, and we deserve it. Don't don't take my words as being like, oh, cancel culture. No, no, no. Never. We have it coming. Like it's fine. Um, I try not to. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, all of that being said, jokes aside, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet. Uh, I might take a page out of Alyssa's book and just delay, um, and, and see where it goes. But I too want more movies uh, from that studio. Yeah. I am disappointed by all this stuff. Because I love the D&D world. I'm probably still going to play D&D. I probably won't give Watsky specifically any more of my money. I already yeah. stopped playing Magic the Gathering a few years ago. Because they were just squeezing me for every penny. Um, and I love Magic yeah. the Gathering. But it's so easy to put money into it before they started going the full um the full monty capitalism and just trying to get me for all i was worth um which they already kind of did that's why it's so funny that they are burning people it kind of reminds me of what happened to ubisoft uh ubisoft had oh, all of these yeah. big games they're like we're gonna put out like nine games a year annualize everything and then eventually people were like listen mm -hmm. dude we just can't fucking afford it man and now people don't buy it and also and also it's just like not as good quality when you you're right out a bunch of different products yeah you can have different teams working on them and y y there is a way to you know um just you know release a bunch of products and then be like still passable but i don't know is it is it worth it if it's not like the best quality to them yes but to the consumer not really exactly and when point? you have competition that i think is good if not better than the products you're putting out why would i stick around just because of nostalgia sorry yeah not enough yeah um what i could see happening in the wake of all of this stuff not that D is ever going to go away but the thing that they tried to do in the 90s and 2000s again that we read about this year you know with all the history mm -hmm. stuff is hey what if we're not an rpg thing anymore what if this becomes enough to be a good brand um, we mm -hmm. just make movies. We make books again. We focus on that. Like they almost did when the books were doing great, but their rule books weren't. Um, I can mm -hmm. see that happening if the movie does well enough. Because here's the thing. I know we yeah. want to think that we are Legion for we are many. But the vast majority of people that were going to go see this movie don't play D&D. &D. Yeah. So, exactly. That's what I'm also wondering. Because they're going for a big mass market appeal. This is going to so... hit China and it's going to do big numbers and not that people in china don't play DD, &D, but the, again when you think of just like population wise like people could be like yeah. oh the transformer movies suck yeah but they're internationally gigantic films because you don't have to speak the language it was made for to be entertained by it right mm -hmm. so if you have this spectacle of a giant dragon yeah. fighting somebody with a giant sword and somebody shooting magic on the corner of the screen you listen the understanding that you need is limited so it's going to hit this mass appeal like the marvel movies like transformers and it's not it's not just because people like D D. and um i think that we are sending a message with something like that the boycott is definitely going to affect it i don't take my mm -hmm. words as saying oh it's pointless it's definitely not will it tank the movie no um so it's interesting on both sides i can't 
wait to find out what happens with it and i can't wait to find out about the movie is it good um because that's the thing is with movies i'll go see a bad movie i you know buy my tickets go at midnight whatever i can um i don't care because it's you know it's 10 bucks 20 bucks out of my pocket i don't mind losing two hours over a bad movie um and neither do a lot of people that's not a huge investment but a bad game is bad forever and watsky's been putting out some products that are lackluster um not just offensive just like bad you know just like not as interesting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i don't think it's going to be affected by it in the same way and i could easily see them pivoting going you know hasbro going hey you know what uh dnd's not making the money it used to we're going to pivot it the problem being mm-hmm. is that uh hasbro's seen that wizards was making all this money and they're fucking it over but companies don't learn lessons even even if it hits them in the coffers they don't they don't learn they're not a person they don't pivot well some companies do and those ones flourish but most companies don't pivot so when we think they're like oh they're the the shareholders are going to learn their lesson squeezing their Mm -hmm. cash cow hurt it and now it doesn't make as much money so they're going to fix it they're not they're not going to fix it no matter how many ogls they put out no matter how many people leave magic the gathering no matter how many DD games fail they're not going to fix it what they're going to do is milk it for what it's worth and then kick it to the curb and go well we'll find something else so that's how capitalism works that's how capitalism works exactly so that's your doom and gloom report that's the apocalypse that's the ragnarok (laughs) of D &D. um i don't know if that's going to happen necessarily but it probably will we've i was gonna say like i i want to say it won't i want to be cautiously optimistic but also again we did book club and we read all about old tsr and like the decisions that they made when wizards of the coast bought them it's just that that tiktok song i think it's a taylor swift song just plays in my head like i think i've heard this song before and i didn't like the ending it's just history repeating itself like that's what i've been thinking most of the time this has been happening like yeah it's the ogl and it's a bit different but it's corporations who don't understand the game who are screwing with the community and not really making an effort to appeal to their quote-unquote money bags even if they want to treat you know the consumers or the fans like money bags they're not like they're not doing it properly they're making all these same mistakes in just a different context and it's just sad and i'm just sad about it all the time and mad but also sad and it's funny too because like when you see something like the, there's now that infamous quote from from the ceo over there is uh that yeah. D is under monetized right and part of why it's under monetized is because we're not notoriously not a group that spends a lot of money on one game you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm what's considered a whale because i buy a lot of rpgs um mm-hmm. and i have a couple of friends who are also whales are like they buy every book because they collect it too not just for playing they collect it but we're few and far sure. between part of the draw to the hobby is that it's cheap and you're screwing over that community the sad part is unlike all the other times when DD started to fail and it could get sold or rebooted if the movie is successful and the ip itself becomes worth more money than the game does you're not going to see Hasbro sell the rights like they would when they milk it up, everything for its worth. It's going to sit in a hole somewhere, and they're going to go, well, it's really not worth of Earth us to do it. Let's sell the third-party publishing rights so Paizo can publish games in the Pathfinder setting, which maybe maybe it's good. You know, Maybe it's going to be really cool. They can do Forgotten Realms themselves. Maybe that is the... Yeah the pie in the sky you know silver lining here but if D D becomes not worth it trust me when i say hasbro will just stop making the game and not sell the ip yeah. they might license it but they're not going to sell it if the movie does well Hmm. i could see them totally pivoting yeah yeah 
Uh, but anyways, that's our two cents. Uh, Lisa, anything to add before we go? Um, I mean, if people doubt me and say that, oh no, you can't uh, wait that long, and <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, fold. Is Let this me just tell you do? that uh, I didn't watch the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie until after the third one came out. Uh, so <laughs> I, I when I when I set my mind to something, I can definitely set, go through with it. I don't, I don't think of all the people on this show, I don't think you're the one that people thought were yeah. gonna cave. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's good to know that you have the receipts to back it up. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening I'm at Resident Seville on Twitter you can also find us in general at Cave Trolls Pod you can email us at campykillcreations at gmail.com you know let us know what you think about all of this stuff either on Twitter or through email if you want to follow us over on patreon.com slash campykillcreations give us a buck or two it keeps the lights on the mics rolling it lets us do lots of early content bonus content all of that is available there you can head over to our website if you don't want to give us a buck or two campykillcreations.com and find most of the stuff we do for free so you can do that our merch is also listed in the description below Sharday, where can the people find you they can find me once a month hosting the slovenly trolls podcast where we talk about D&D and its problematic lore and history um, that may or may not have twitter threads about it <laughs> during the whole OGL and uh, I run the slovenly trolls twitter at slovenly trolls and Lissa, what about you? Where can they find you online? I can be found running the Instagram account for the at Slovenly Trolls or the Cave Trolls Twitter account, which is handle at Cave Trolls Pod on Twitter. Alrighty. Uh, this is us signing off and saying drink more Ovaltine. Uh, we're the Cave Trolls and we're out. Okay, now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our Patreon producers. You keep the lights on, you keep the mics rolling, and really you make it possible to do all of this. We want to give a special shout out. Thank you to the Lorax who gets two special shout outs because I also thank you for speaking for the trees. We also have Jeremy Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now.